This is Mark Halleck, and welcome to the Leading Church Revitalization Podcast. This podcast is designed to encourage and equip you for the work of leading church revitalization in your context. I really hope and pray you will be helped and you'll be encouraged and you might even be a little bit inspired in our time together. Because here's the truth, there's a lot of churches people have given up on that God is just not done with. So thanks for coming by and let's link arms together to replant and revitalize churches for the glory of God and for our joy in Him. I've seen it many times, and you probably have too. A beloved pastor retires from a church that had been thriving for decades. A search committee is formed, pastoral candidates interviewed, and the hunt is on for a gifted new leader. But much to everybody's surprise, the church begins to slowly fall apart. Why? Because the church was centered around one amazing guy. There was a leadership vacuum that only became apparent when the lead pastor stepped away. Now, chances are a a new pastor will step in and do a fine job. The church will begin to grow again, and in a few years, all will be well, or at least seem so. But what if there was another way? We must make pursuing and developing healthy leaders a top priority in church revitalization. And if we're not intentional about this, it simply won't happen. So let me begin today by just sharing five reasons why we must develop and deploy leaders. Number one, for our personal health for the long haul. This includes mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health, along with the health of our marriages and our families. We talk a lot about starting strong in church revitalization, but I pray that we grow to be more concerned about finishing strong. Lord willing, we'll be vibrant, passionate pastors of our flocks 10, 20, or even 30 years from now. To get there, we need to share the load of ministry with other individuals that are gifted by God to help lead our churches. There's a great example of this principle in the story of Moses' father-in-law Jethro, if you remember this from Scripture. When Jethro saw that Moses was single-handedly governing the entire people of Israel, he advised What you are doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now, obey my voice. I will give you advice, and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God, and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws, and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure. And all this, people also will go to their place in peace. 
That's from Exodus 18, 18 to 23. For the sake of Moses' longevity in ministry, he needed godly leaders to help him with the heavy lifting. So do you and so do I. Number two, to kill pride and self-dependence. In James, we read that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The Lord loves humility in his leaders, and he hates pride. One of the greatest ways that we can cultivate humility in our hearts and kill pride is through raising up, equipping, and sending out leaders to use their gifts for God's glory. There's a prevalent attitude among pastors that says, check me out, I'm doing something right, I've become an expert. This becomes more apparent when we begin to see the Lord do an amazing work in our churches. Keep in mind that God has just been incredibly kind to you. He's using broken vessels like us. He could draw straight lines with crooked sticks, as Martin Luther put it. The last thing we need to think is that it's about us and our gifting. It's not. It's about the Lord. Developing leaders can help take the focus off ourselves, root out pride, and foster humility. Here's number three because it is biblical. I pray that we have a passion in our hearts to be ruthlessly biblical pastors, that we wouldn't just jump to pragmatism and what works, but would always seek to be theologically rooted in the biblical text. May our hearts be, God, whatever you want, I want to do. Show me how to lead a church. It's your church. Show me how to shepherd your people. To be a biblical pastor is to be a developer of leaders. Look at Ephesians 4.12, where we're called to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. If we're going to be a biblical church, then we must be a church that raises up and deploys leaders intentionally. If we don't, we may create the appearance of a revitalized church, but in reality, we've neglected to build a strong foundation. Where will the church be when we're gone. Number four, to see others thrive in their God-given gifts and passions. There's no greater joy in revitalization than to see folks come alive, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, to use the gifts that God has given them in ministry. Developing leaders means that we help people utilize their gifts. One of the best ways to help cranky people take their eyes off the past and walk into change is by getting them off the bleachers and into the game. We've got to figure out how to mobilize them. If they're busy doing ministry, then they're too busy using their gifts to sit back and throw stones. Here's number five, to see the mission of Jesus advance for the glory of God. We can't do the work of revitalization alone. We weren't made to. We're called to equip other believers and leaders to do ministry together, and not just inside the walls of our own congregation. I hope and pray that one of your growing passions is to raise up others who will go out and plant, replant, or revitalize other multiplying churches that your ministry would go beyond the walls of your own church. The only way that's going to happen is through a ruthless commitment to leadership development deploying and sending leaders out on mission. So these are five reasons why we must raise up leaders within a revitalization context. 
Join me next week. We're going to talk about seven key ingredients for how to actually do this. How do we develop leaders in our context? I hope you'll join me then. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast today. Hey, as you continue to grow, I want to point you in the direction of a book called Leading Church Revitalization. This entire podcast is really built on and based on that book. You can pick it up at Amazon.com today. Also, check out AcomaPress.org. Acoma Press is committed to putting out resources to help encourage and equip you as a revitalizer or a replanter. It's also very committed to help equip congregations that are struggling and facing serious decline. And one last thing, I would love to stay in touch with you. So let's connect on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Any way I can serve you, I would love to do that. Man, I can't wait till we're together next time. Thanks so much for stopping by. God bless you all.